Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. This episode is brought to you by the GSD Academy. This step-by-step business productivity online program will share with you exactly how to shift your mindset, set boundaries, build rock-solid processes, customize your message in order to strategically grow your revenues and get shit done. Visit AngelaProfit.com slash GSD Academy. Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today is a very, very, very important episode because we are having a guest that has been here before, Jerry Detweiler. She's going to be talking with us today about credit. And it is the most important thing that you really want to take a step back and understand. Because if you're a small business owner, or if you're thinking about opening a small business, understanding the financing and the opportunities, and to make sure that you keep your personal credit and your business credit separate, those are all those not so fun things, but it is crucial that you understand what you're doing when you are running or thinking of running a small business. And so Jerry is an absolute, I mean, she's an expert. It's like she knows all these things that, and she's got a few books too, um, that we all need to know. And like, she actually makes it like fun and enjoyable to like talk about these things. And so if you think you know what you're doing, which I thought I knew what I was doing. And then Jerry and I talked on our previous episode, which I'll have Amanda link that in the show notes. So you guys can listen to our previous episode. But today we're going to talk about specifically where to find financing for your small business now because things have changed. So Jerry, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be back and you make it a lot of fun too. So (laughs) glad to be here with you. We always have fun. Well, for those who haven't heard our first episode together, can you give us a little bit of background where you started and how did you get so interested in helping small businesses understand their credit? Yeah, I've been involved in credit, the credit world for a long, long time, several decades. I fell into a job um, after college working in Washington, D.C., and in that job, it was for an advocacy group, and I got to work on the legislation that gave consumers free credit reports for the first time, and the legislation that has that box that tells you what the credit card is going to cost before you apply. So I got to do some really interesting things. I ended up writing the first mass market book uh, back in the day that talked about FICO scores, and I've been involved 
involved in that you know world ever since. But a, I would say a decade now uh, ago, I met uh, Garrett Sutton, who's a rich dad advisor and small business attorney, works with clients all over the world. And he said, you know, a lot of my small business clients are ha- struggling with this whole thing of business credit and financing. And so I got to pivot a little bit and dig into that world. And then I wrote my book, Finance Your Own Business and and ended up uh, at NAV uh, five years ago now. So I've, I've come full circle, but I think the, the one thing that I really emphasize is that when you're an entrepreneur, you know, there's often a lot of blurring between personal finance and, and, and business finance, right? Because you sometimes use your personal credit cards or maybe you commingle funds or um, maybe use a personal loan to get your business off the ground. But as soon as possible, you want to set up the systems so that you can build credit and use credit in the name of your business and move away from, you know, the, the personal uh, financing of your business as soon as you can. And for some businesses, it's going to take longer than others. But if you do that, then you're going to have more financing options available and hopefully uh, be more successful in building your business. So before we jump into some of the questions that I know that you've been getting asked a lot and surprisingly, we've been getting a few questions, especially with what 2020 has dished out to us small business owners. Um, But before we jump off, I just want to ask you, because I know for me, we have worked with some small business owners, uh, specifically women, and they did not know to separate their business and their personal. They went through a divorce And now they're in a mess with their small business because of that divorce. And so can you tell us one of the craziest stories where there was a small business owner and they, they genuinely did not understand the difference and why it was so important to keep things separate? Well, I think what we saw, what I saw this year, and I talked to a lot of business owners in this situation with the PPP and EIDL program. So those were the two federal programs designed to provide COVID financial relief to small businesses, right? The Paycheck Protection Program loan and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And I talked to so many business owners um, who were using their personal account. They couldn't figure out how much they could qualify for. They couldn't separate it. And one kind of crazy story I remember hearing uh, and I never try to shame people, right? Because you do, you you learn, no. you don't always know what you don't know, right? So right. it's it's not a shaming thing, but a lot of business owners would say, well, I have, you know, uh, six 1099 employees. And I'd say, well, 1099 is a contractor, it's not an employee. And that was mm-hmm. a big, big deal with PPP because they couldn't get money based on contractors, just on employees. And that puts them in a bind. But I remember one who said, well, I have a tax preparation business. I have six 1099 employees and I pay them in cash, but I keep a good written record. (laughs) Yeah. And this is someone in the tax business. Oh my God. That was shocking. Uh, That was shocking. Yeah. That the other day, my brother, we were out to lunch and he, it was his turn to pay. Cause we, you know, take turns when we're talking about business and he like throws cash down and I don't, I'm like, why are you paying cash? Like, 
don't you want to write all every penny off that you can and use your business credit card? And he's like, oh yeah, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> he's like, this was a business lunch, not a family lunch. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, come on. You know, so sometimes we, we just forget all of the time. Um, but the biggest question right now that I have, and I know probably a lot of people listening um, this year with 2020, and you've already mentioned a few of the things, but what has changed? Because it's, it's, it's really different now from small business financing. And so if you can tell us some of the things that, you know, give us the cliff notes of what we need to know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So if your business was impacted by COVID-19 this year, I can empathize completely at NAV. We help match small business owners to lending options. And in March, the lenders stopped lending. So we, you know, we experienced many of the same um, uh, things that many of the small business owners that we help, you know, experience with the lenders just were not lending. And there are some that have disappeared never to come back again. And then others that are starting to lend again. So that happened in roughly March, right? Where it was like the brakes just hit. Everybody stopped lending, even credit card issuers stopped marketing their business credit cards online. And we do a lot of matching business owners to business credit cards. So that was, of course, you know, uh, a definite impact to our business as well. But then uh, PPP and EIDL came out. So that was the SBA loan, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and the Paycheck Protection Program Loan. And that created just um, so many questions for small business owners who were trying to take advantage of that um, funding. And I don't know if you remember, Angela, but it quickly, the first round quickly ran out. A lot of smaller small businesses didn't get a penny because their banks couldn't help them. Yep. And then they reopened it. And then the second time fintechs um, like NAV got involved and we helped match borrowers, different companies making those loans. Round two um, went better and it actually ended with uh, money left over that wasn't tapped. So that was interesting. And the EIDL closed and then opened up again, but now the grant is gone. So the money you don't have to pay back with EIDL, that's no longer available, but the loan is still available and that's still open. So it's been a crazy year. So then come, I would say the end of summer, beginning of fall, we started to see some lenders coming back. But what we have seen is that often their requirements have been tightened up. So where they may have said, okay, we can lend to businesses with six months in small bi- in, in business as long as they meet this credit score requirement and have X amount of revenues. Now it might be two years in business as opposed oh. to six months. Okay. Or the credit score requirement may have been raised or um, the revenue requirement may have been raised. So we are seeing some stricter requirements from certain lenders uh, and that's making it more challenging for business owners to find financing. It's out there, but it, it definitely is a more challenging environment. So what I'm hearing is that the first thing is if you have 1099s, do not pay them with cash. And <laughs> correct. So what what I've always been told is they need to send you an invoice and then you pay an invoice, right? Through like yes. QuickBooks. Is that the, correct. The, the right way to do it? Yes. And then if someone needs to apply because EIDL and PP, like all the money ran out, did would they could they go to nav to fill out an application 
Absolutely. So we're a marketplace. We're not a lender and we'll help match borrowers to uh, options that are out there. So they can set up a free NAV account. uh, And with that account, we will show them lending options and also talk to them on the phone if they want some guidance. We don't sell that information to lenders. So it's not one of those models where you're going to sign up and then suddenly get bombarded with phone calls from different lenders. We'll, We'll actually show you what's out there that matches the profile of your business. So guys, so anybody listening really understand they're matching you. They're not a lender. And then the most important thing of what you just said, I don't know if you guys have ever been like looking for a house or looking for real estate for a commercial building, for a new business, or you're looking at venues for events. And all of a sudden you fill out one form and then the spam floodgates open, (laughs) or you're like shopping for a car online. Like, I have learned, I literally have like a junk, I I call it a fake account. I mean, it's a real account, but it's a junk account and like a junk number because I don't want all that stuff. So it's so refreshing to know that you all don't sell that. So y'all listen, if you're listening, you want to go to this website, we'll link it in the show notes. If you want to be matched to a lender that would be good for you. So I know there's some other things that lenders are going to look for. So if someone does go to NAV and they do set up an account and they want to be matched with a lender, can you tell us like the top three things that lenders are looking for and for small business financing? Yes, absolutely. So one is going to be your time in business. Uh, One is going to be your revenues, and I'll delve into that. And then third is going to be your credit. Now, on the time in business, what happens sometimes is a business will start sort of on the side. Maybe you start providing a service and you start a business, but you don't officially start a business, right? You don't form a business entity. You don't go out and get a business license. You don't necessarily take those steps. I love it when a business starts a legal entity, LLC, S Corp or C Corp. That's great. I know that in some states like California, it's very expensive to do that. I think their fee is like $800 to have a uh, filing. Although I did read that they've waived it for the first year because of COVID. So that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Yeah. So it can be expensive. So not everybody does that right away. So what you do want to do though, if you're going to start without a legal entity is go ahead and Uh, get a fictitious name for your business. So in most states, you can go online and file what's called a doing business as DBA or a fictitious name with the state. In Florida, where I am, I think it's 50 bucks for three years to do that. And that can put you on record, you know, as, as this is the name of my business, you know, this is where we're operating. And then also go to irs.gov and get an employer identification number, EIN. This is sort of like your social security number for your business. Not all businesses have to have one according to IRS guidelines. Some do, some don't, but I think you should, because then you also have this letter from the IRS saying, you know, here's your EIN for your business. Now you've got this fictitious name. You have an official start for that business. It's not like you're just growing it completely organically. So then when you fill out a credit application, you can put that date on the application, use it consistently. And even if you're just starting the business on the side, you could have a year or two in business before you decide to go you know, full-time with your small business. And that could be an advantage in terms of getting financing in the future. So that's a great tip because time in business um, even like you, like you were saying, if you're not totally like ready, 
but you have filed it and you have filed a name, there are some things like I know in Tennessee, um, we actually work with people and I actually have filed an online business in Delaware <laughs> because mm. it's, it's a different, um, it's a different set of laws. And so if for online businesses versus like a brick and mortar, you know, look into your options because like, like you were saying, if you live in California, you could file somewhere else. Now it is a little bit more to keep up with, but for online businesses, when you actually, if you're building them to sell them, which a lot of online businesses are, think about that as well and where you're going to file. I recently learned that from doing some business with some investors that have invested in several online businesses. And the other thing that you said, as far as credit um, and checking their credit. So if you, if you are setting yourself up to keep your personal credit and your business credit separate, and obviously you're filing a new business, do they go off of your personal credit? Yes, that's a great question. So your business can have its own credit reports and credit scores. Uh, Experian, Equifax, and Dun & Bradstreet are the three major bureaus that do commercial you know, credit reporting. Uh, and you do have to build this. So it's not something that happens automatically overnight. Uh, we do at NAV help business owners do that. And even with a free NAV account, you can access all those tools to build your business credit. But I recommend that business owners make sure that they stay on top of both their business and personal credit, because some lenders are going to check personal credit. Some are going to check business credit. Some are going to check both. Some are going to do a soft check on the personal credit side because they're really just looking for red flags. They're not that interested in the score, but they're, you know, they want to know if you're in a bankruptcy, for example. So it, it runs across the spectrum and Fed research um, by the Federal Reserve has confirmed that, you know, about 60% of business owners use either business credit or a combination of business and personal credit to get financing. So both are important and I would not ignore one or the other. So the entrepreneurs that have a dream and you hear, you hear these stories, at least I do, I hear them all the time where it's like, we second mortgaged our home and we sold all of our cars and we, we needed money, you know, for a startup. And do you suggest people do like, is that a good investment to go second mortgage your, your home? And that's pulling from your personal credit to start a business. Oh, wow. That's such a tough one. That's such a tough one. <laughs> I just hear it all the time. I, it, yeah. Well, that's because there aren't that many great options for startup businesses, right? So uh, so startup businesses do have to get more creative. Um, and often they do tap their own you know, personal funding. Uh, first of all, if you're going to do that, I would not do that unless you have a business mentor. So I would have an experienced business mentor who's going, who you're going to bounce that off of and really talk through the scenarios and what, you know, what, um, what risk your family's willing to take, of course, making sure the family's on board, if they're, you know, if they, if they could become, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like the, what, what, like the Schitt's Creek story, right? Oh my <laughs> gosh. <everything. laughs> not, maybe not that, maybe not that, uh, extreme, but yes, uh, 
I would have a business mentor to run all that by and then look at all the options that are out there. One option, Angela, I don't think we talked about last time that I'm really bullish on is crowdfunding. And a lot of people are familiar with maybe GoFundMe, which is the donation-based crowdfunding, but there's been some amazing results in the small business space and crowdfunding, including rewards crowdfunding, which is like your Kickstarter where someone will back your campaign and you give them you know, something, some the early version of your product or some other reward and also equity crowdfunding. So I talk to a lot of business owners who want to get investors like angel um, money or venture capital. And I have to tell them the, the odds are far, far, far not in your favor there, right? Very, mm-hmm. very, very few businesses successfully navigate that. But Equity crowdfunding is uh, an opportunity to get investors and these platforms facilitate that and you can actually get up to $1.07 million uh, for a business with an equity crowdfunding platform. Now you're going to have to have a really, really good campaign. There's some costs associated with it, um, but it's certainly an option for some businesses to consider if they're really looking at a business that they think is going to scale like your online business or something like that. Yeah. So if someone wanted to do the equity crowdfunding and I know, are there, is there like a one go-to platform or is that something that NAV would match someone to the best platform? We do have a couple of uh, crowdfunding platforms in our marketplace, but I will give a quick shout out to SCORE, which is the um, the volunteer organization uh, funded by the SBA to provide help to business owners on the SCORE website, which is just score.org. Uh, if you just search equity crowdfunding, there's a fantastic uh, webinar there on equity crowdfunding. And it actually goes into the, the five major different types of crowdfunding. So I think that webinar is one of the best places to start if you want to learn about crowdfunding. So it's just at score.org. I absolutely love SCORE. They're actually the first organization that I reached out to when I started my first company. And it was all like a God thing. My mom had me serving at at her, her Catholic church. They go once a month and serve food to the, to the homeless at the homeless shelter. And she'd asked me to come along and help I mean, this was like two decades ago Um, and it always made me so sad to go. So I really didn't want to go secretly. It just makes me so sad to see the, to see people like that. And these are people that are like with kids trying to get back up into the, the job market, but you know, they need a little help. And so she like conned me into going. And so we go downtown and this man who was from another church, who was also helping us serve food. We're just making small talk while we're like, uh, serving food to people on the line. And, um, he's like, so what do you do? And my mom would used to answer for me. And, um, she's like, Oh, she works at the hospital, but she helps our church do weddings on the side. And she's so good at decorating. And I'm like, thanks mom. Um, I got it. And so, (laughs) um, but I remember he told, he's like, Oh, my daughter is a wedding photographer. Um, if you'd like her information, I can, you know, share that with you, which y'all back then there was no Facebook, there was no social media. It wasn't like, Oh, let me DM her, you know? So it's literally, he wrote her number down on a napkin and I called her, her name was Danielle. I reached out to her and she was like, are you sure you want to be a planner and a like designer in the wedding industry? Like it's such a luxury thing. And again, this was way back then. And 
but I ended up meeting up with her. There was a small organization that she had told me about. And she's like, this is a great organization. It's totally free and they can help you. And it was score. And my mentor at the time, he was in his eighties. He had owned all these nursing homes and, you know, as a, as a young woman, I'm like, what is this old man going to teach me about wedding planning? And now, you know, fast forward two decades later, I so get it. I so under everything he was saying, it's not about the industry you're in and it's not about all of, uh, separate separating like the industries of like a service base versus a product base. It's all about, we all have the same challenges as small business owners. It's all about hiring the right people and making sure that you have the right messaging. Now, again, this was all before social media, but this 80 something year old man was trying to teach me and I had to kind of go through it to really start to understand it and appreciate it. But I can't say enough good things about score. And if you go there and they match you with a mentor and you're wondering like, how the hell is this person going to help me? Just trust me. Just listen, be open to listening and be open to taking their information because listen, they've been doing something right. They've been doing something way longer than you have. Why reinvent the wheel? So that's, yes, I'm glad that you mentioned score. I'm actually going to go watch that webinar soon. That's it's on my little to-do <laughs> list because that's I still awesome. learn. That's yeah, an I still awesome learn story. from them. Um, so going back to businesses and what they should and shouldn't do. So to position their business for financial success for next year. And again, you know, we have people that go back and listen to our podcast that they'll go and start at episode one and binge, which was like almost five years ago, which is crazy. So think, think about, is this like something specific that businesses should position themselves for 2021? Or is this something you need to do in 2021 and continue to do it going forward? So how can they position their business to make sure they're setting themselves up for financial success? Yeah. So the other thing I really want to emphasize, and I, I talked about this in the past, Angela, but I wasn't as pushy about it. Now I'm going to get pushy about it. And that is that you <laughs> love it, that you have to have a business bank account and you should have a business credit card. And you and I have talked about the whole credit versus debit card. So we can go into that thing. But the business bank account, this is so essential. And what I would like you to do is to only pay business expenses out of that account. And if you need to write a check for a personal expense, you pay yourself and then you personally pay for those expenses. This is so crucial. We saw this as such a hurdle for business owners during this whole you know, COVID relief loan um, period where their finances were so mixed up that they couldn't even tell what was business and what was personal, and it was creating problems. And what we're seeing on the lending side with the lenders that we work with at NAB is very often they're going to ask for your most recent bank statements. They're going to scrutinize and analyze those bank statements, and sometimes they'll even asked to link to your business bank account just so they can read the information in that account to analyze it, you know, for their financing purposes. And when you start mixing the business and personal, it creates a nightmare for one thing. And it also doesn't give an accurate picture of the health of your financial business. So what we have, what we see with lender requirements is some of them are going to look at the number of deposits. And this is not you transferring your own money into the account. It's 
deposits from clients that you're working with or customers. And some of them want to see eight to 10 deposits every month, because if you're, let's say a contractor who just has one or two clients, one of those clients goes away, you know, you don't have a business. So they want to see multiple deposits going into that bank account. And uh, again, you want to have that separate business bank account. So that's one of the most important things that I can recommend. And then the other thing I'll add to that is if you can try not to dip below, say, if you can, maybe $500 set the threshold or $1,000, try to keep that balance in there because they will look at low balance days. And so what does happen sometimes is a business owner gets busy. They don't get around to depositing you know, some funds. And it's easier to do now because most banks have mobile deposit as well. But if you have to go to the bank to deposit cash, you're going to have to go to the bank to deposit cash, right? So they will, um, they'll procrastinate and then they'll dip into their overdraft line of credit saying, well, I know I've got the money, I can pay it back. But then to the lender, that looks risky because it looks like they don't have enough funds coming in. And so they're dipping into their overdraft. And that could be a factor in terms of the financing that you get approved for. So try to stay on top of that and not dip, not dip too low into that business bank account, if at all possible. So if you are, again, if you're just starting a small business, there's a few softwares that you're going to want to budget for each month that will save you so much headache. And I, I had QuickBooks for, for a few years. I didn't really run it or understand it. I mean, my accountant did and helped me with all that. And then I had um, some really unfortunate things that happen. And Jerry knows this. If you listen to our, our previous episode, I brought it up. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I was in a hurry and I didn't have my business card because I'd given it to one of my team members, which by the way, they all have their own cards now and they all have like a low credit limit. So if someone steals their card, they can't go put a bunch of shit on it. And I had my personal card, which I never use at the gas station. I like get gas. And then I start getting all these text messages from the bank, but I had a client in the car and I was driving. So I just like ignored it, you know, to be safe. And we were trying to get to a meeting on time. And so when I got home that night, cause it was like an all day meeting, my business account, my, my personal account was like freaking drained. <laughs> and so I learned a few things from that. I, I mean, I, sometimes I'm glad these things happen to me because it helps me be a, a better, smarter business owner. And then I can also help people from where you make sure this doesn't happen to you. And so we've gotten a little psycho with it now where not only do we, I only carry like my business credit card, that is like an everyday card, right? So it's like gas, if we're going out to breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever, um, anything that I'm using for the business goes on like the everyday card. Now, the everyday card, Jerry, since I've talked to you and the whole gas thing, I was parking for a meeting and I had to pay to park and there was a skimmer on that freaking parking machine. (laughs) But this time, yeah, but this time when I got the text message from Southwest, it was like my Southwest Chase card. This time I stopped in the parking lot. I clicked the little text and I'm like, no, that wasn't me. Cancel my card. Send me another one. It was all done through text, which I just have to stop and pay attention And if I had not had that gas card thing happen to me, I probably wouldn't have stopped, you know, to do it. I'm like, I'll get it. I'll get to it later. And then they could have like charged thousands of dollars worth of stuff. 
And so like that happens, but now we separately, we have another business credit card specifically for every automatic payment that comes out of our account every month for all of our softwares. And we have a lot. So in that card, like literally it's cut up. It, 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 it's a real card number, but I don't take the card anywhere because if we had to go and redo that auto stuff, which I had to do it with another card in the past that got stolen, it's, it's like a two day process of filling out all this shit online. And then some of the auto, I mean, they're even old school where they're like, we have to mail you a form and you have to fill it out. And I'm like, what? what, what age are you living in? Like there's not an online thing. So it's just super annoying. And then the other credit card account we have is a travel account so that when we're traveling, we use a specific card because when you're traveling, your card is more susceptible to being stolen just by being swiped on a skimmer machine. It's crazy. It's like every single time my card has been stolen, I have the card physically with me, like in my hand. I'm like, how is this happening? But these skimmer <laughs> machines are every freaking where. And something that Jerry taught me in, in, in our last podcast, and you know, I've learned this the hard way, is like, you don't get your personal money back when it's stolen like that quickly. Like, it took me over a month. But if it's a business credit card, they'll give you the money right back. You know, you do have to send, fill out some paperwork so you're not like lying or something. But it's a, it's a freaking mess. And so just take it from us. I know it may seem a lot to like map your business finances to like different areas, but if you take the time to set it up appropriately and my gosh, I would just take one day to like say, okay, we're going to use this for this, this for this, this for this, pay your stuff off every month. In fact, mine's all hooked up to auto payments and it's hooked to our business account. Then QuickBooks goes in and you set up a rule and it automatically matches all of those things. And so once I really got to understand QuickBooks, and again, I had to take a step back last year and really start to understand how all this stuff was mapped. So I didn't create a bigger mess for myself. And also we were launching some more companies and I wanted to make sure that I understood like how I needed to map things in the beginning. So just start with a software Jerry, are there softwares other than QuickBooks that you all recommend to people when they're starting a business? Yeah, a couple of options. So first of all, if you're going to choose QuickBooks, they have different levels. So you can, I think it's QuickBooks Solo is the beginning level of QuickBooks. So that might be something that will save you a little bit of money uh, to start out with. Also, FreshBooks is very popular with a lot of freelancers. And uh, and then Xero, X-E-R-O, Xero is another popular uh, software program. And then there's one more option that you might consider Bench. And what Bench does is they match you to to a bookkeeping professional. So if you don't really have one, they're going to have someone who's going to take care of the bookkeeping aspect. And what I like about even that service and any of these is the idea that you your, your books are up to date every single month. Because once you start falling behind, um, that's when it becomes difficult, even from the financing standpoint, some lenders, you're going for an SBA loan, one which it can be a great loan for your business, they're probably going to want to see a 
you know, up-to-date P&L statement. So someone's got to have your books up to date, whether it's you or your bookkeeper, so they can produce that financial statement to provide to the lender. And you don't want to hold up the loan because you're back, you know, you're six months behind on your bookkeeping. Trust me, I was self-employed for 10 years. Taxes are the bane of my existence. I hate bookkeeping. I hate dealing with all that stuff, but I, you know, learned to make peace with it like you did, because you, you really have to when you're a business owner. So again, I learned this the hard way where I thought I was paying my accountant to do this one thing every month, which is a magic word called reconcile. And I didn't realize that it wasn't happening until my brother, because my brother owns a business too. And so, you know, we're constantly helping each other. He's like looking over my shoulder one day when I happened to be in QuickBooks. And he's like, what is that number over that number in the top left-hand corner? And I'm like, I don't know. What does that mean? And he goes, it looks like your books aren't reconciled. He's like, when's the last time you did that? I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, let me ask my accountant. And something fell through the cracks. I don't really know. Again, I'm glad these things happened to me, but that account in QuickBooks had not been reconciled in three years. And so, yeah. And so I didn't understand that like P&Ls that were being sent to me, which you really need to look at it monthly. Don't do what I, I would look at it quarterly. And then, and then I still didn't understand it. And I'm like, we're just working and grinding and money's always in the bank and oh, everything is fine. But really exactly what you just said, like when you try to go get an SBA loan or like we've been looking for real estate because we're about to build a GSD house where people can come and get shit done. It's like, thank God I had a really good bookkeeper and a really good accountant. And I learned all these things the hard way. Otherwise, I think that the bank would laugh at me or the investors that we send a pitch deck to would laugh because... I didn't have my shit together. I thought I did, or I thought I was outsourcing it. So you still want to be in tune with what's going on. And so when you say, take care of your books every month, do you mean like reconcile? And is there anything else that people need to be doing? Monthly? Yeah, yeah. So that means that all the uh, all the expenses and income has to be accounted for, and that it reconciles. So reconciling just basically means that everything's adding up, right? There's not something that's off that says, "Oh, well, you took in an extra two hundred dollars. Where'd that come from?" We don't, you know, we don't see it in your records where that came from, or oh, you had six hundred and thirty-one dollars in expenses that are not accounted for, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't balance. It's like balancing your checkbook back in the day when we used to do that in our checkbooks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's, that's essentially important. And then you're also trying to figure out, okay, what insights can I get from this? I interviewed this young woman, just a fantastic entrepreneur who, um, who has a candle company, antique candle company. And she started like a hundred dollars in candle making supplies like five years ago. And she has 26 employees now ships all over the country. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful business. And she learned the same thing, like how to make peace with her accounting software. And so she looks at her QuickBooks accounts every single week. And she says, what it teaches me, what it tells me are things like, oh, my shipping has suddenly increased. What's happened? And she said she has to switch shipping companies fairly frequently because they'll do that. You know, it's sort of like the 
the uh, internet company or the cell phone company, they get you in and then they just keep raising the prices, right? Yep. <laughs> then you have to switch to somebody else or your insurance company. So yep. she, that's one thing that she learned that make, makes a material difference in the margins, you know, in her business is how much it's costing to ship all these items. So it depends on your business, what those insights are going to be, but you're going to see, for example, oh, I'm paying a lot more for this expense than I used to be. What's going on? Or, oh, I forgot about that subscription that I'm paying every month. Am I really using that software anymore? Or should I look for something else? Or maybe I can just drop it. So there's all kinds of things that this, this can tell you that can bring money into your business. And the other important thing is that, okay, if you do get one of these software services to utilize, all of your business accounts, like if you have those different card business cards and your business banking account, like you've got to pull all that in to the, the, the platform or the software. And that's something else that recently I was working with a client and again, we all get so flipping busy. And then we think that the people that we're outsourcing to are, they, they're doing what they know to do. But then I, he asked me some questions. I'm like, well, I would have to see your QuickBooks. And so we got in there and I could see all the invoices that they were sending out. But I was like, where's your bank account? And how are you paying these invoices? And don't you have business credit cards? And, you know, I, was, I had so many questions. And the his accountant, no one ever told her or asked her. It's not that she didn't know how to do it. He never asked her to do it because he didn't know to ask her to do it. And so to me, it's like, I'm the kind of person that if you ask me to do something, but you don't know the full scope of it, that's like someone saying, can you run a Facebook ad? And I'm like, well, we can, but there's a few things that, do you have a landing page? Do you have a funnel built? Has it been tested? What, what's your lead magnet? I mean, there's like 50 things mm. that I'm going to ask you before we're even going to talk about running an ad. And nine times out of 10, these people that are asking these things, they have no clue what any of that is. They're like, well, I have a website. I'm like, yeah, your website is, um, it doesn't have e-commerce. It's not responsive. It can't take money. It's kind of outdated. Let's look at the, the, uh, mobile phone load time. You know, so there's all these things that otherwise, yeah, we could take your money and run an ad and then your results are going to (laughs) suck and you're going to lose money and then you're going to be pissed. And so there's a lot of strategy that goes in behind the scenes. And so I was just so confused. And so he put me in touch with his accountant. And then I ended up putting her in touch with my accountant because, you know, she sets all that stuff up. Something that I do monthly, though, is I have a Zoom with my accountant for one hour every month just to touch base, just to look at things. She explains things to me and she makes sure that I understand like how we're doing here and how we're doing there and what are some things is the best money that I've ever spent. You know, some people think like my brother, he's like, can't you just learn QuickBooks and like learn it inside out? I'm like, no, and I'm, I'm not a numbers person like you are. He looks at his QuickBooks every single day. I'm pretty sure, but he loves those types of software. And for creatives like myself, I would rather, I mean, once a month is enough. Like I'm good. Yes. <laughs> like, I I like to be doing other things. And so depending on your personality and the psychology of your personality, just know it's okay to get help. Like you don't need to know all these things, but there are, there is a basic foundation that you're going to want to know because 
you don't want anything uh, to happen to you like it, you know, it has to me. So Jerry, you have two books. So you have debt collection answers and finance your own business. Where can people go and get those books if they're interested? Yes, I've actually written five books, but um, debt collection oh answers. Yeah, yeah, but debt collection. Those are my most recent, and and the ones that are widely available. So, debt collection answers is uh, a free Kindle ebook, and that's for people who are dealing with debt collectors. Okay. So that's a very specific um, scenario. But if you're dealing with a debt collector, uh, know your rights before you talk to them, because I, I don't know, Angela. I, with all your stories, you probably probably have <laughs> some story you can share about something crazy that happened to you, but crazy things happen when people, you know, end up with debt collection, even for things like medical bills, where you're still fighting with the insurance yes. company. And then next thing you know, it's with a debt collector and it's affecting your credit score. So definitely um, check that out on Amazon. It's a free Kindle ebook. And then finance your own business is my most recent uh, book. And that was the book that uh, I led, led me to NAB because I interviewed the CEO of NAB for the book, thought they might want to buy some books and now I'm working there full time. So, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's my book about finance and, and business credit and uh, written with Garrett Sutton, the uh, small business attorney I mentioned. So just from a, a previous business and a crazy story share is that you want to make sure before you get married that you know who you're marrying and ask them about previous deaths <laughs> and you don't want them to get deployed. And then you have debt collectors literally calling five times a day because it can make a really uncomfortable conversation when your spouse returns from being deployed. And so just take it from my experience in planning lots and lots and lots of weddings over the years that you really do need to get into that conversation, especially if you're a business owner, you've got to protect what you've started and you've got to protect your assets moving forward. And then that gets you into prenup sometimes, which that's a whole different conversation for another episode. But before we wrap up, Jerry, this has been so helpful. Thank you so, so much. Before we wrap up, where can people go? What's the best way if people want to connect directly to you? What is the best way for them to connect with you? You can email me if you want to email me. My email is Jerry, G-E-R-R-I at nav, N-A-V dot com. Happy to take credit questions. I love answering credit questions. And we also have a, a landing page, nav.com slash podcast. And that has our build, uh, build business credit checklist. So if you heard me mention business credit, you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about. I don't know what my business credit is. There's actually a checklist there you can download. You don't even have to give us an email address and uh, and get started on, on building your business credit. So you can hopefully eventually move away from using your personal credit in your business. I love it. That's awesome. We have so many good links for you guys that we'll put all in the show notes. And, you know, just take a little bit of time and block some time on your calendar to work on the business and not in it all the time. Again, this is just at least if you take a few hours every single month to sit down and work on these things. And you might be like doing a side hustle right now, but just trust me because I did it for so many years. And then those years fly by. And then before you know it, you're into a full-time business and you don't know what you don't know until these things start to happen. So set yourself up for success for your personal credit, your business credit. So when you go to do something bigger, you're ready to launch and you don't have to learn all this stuff the hard way. 
So Jerry, thank you so much. And everybody that's listening, thank you so much for your time today. We got tons of nuggets and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.